Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. Thank you. Why don't you take a seat? Hey, um, I think this is the first time in about three, four, maybe five years where I haven't, I haven't been asked to preach the first message of the year as a stand-in holiday pastor. <laughs> but I'm pleased to say we've found an acceptably reasonable substitute. <laughs> and it's my pleasure to, um, to invite Paul up onto the stage. Paul Burton. <laughs> Um, a pleasure to have Paul and Grace in the house again. For those who, um, for those who are visiting, Paul and Grace, um, previous pastors, um, up till about a year ago, and we're pastors here for about 20 years. A mark of a good preacher, I think, is that every time I listen to Paul, every single time, every single time, I can say, yes, God just talked to me. God opened up a new vista. He put his finger on something. And um, that only comes through um, preaching out of a pr- profound relationship with him. A profoundly authentic relationship with them, and um, we're in for a treat this morning. I won't take up any more of your time. You take this one. Thank you, Damien. Yeah. yeah. Well, good to be here. Yeah. They shrunk the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're just going to get into it. Uh, if you want to find out some of what's going on in my life, I put a big post on my Facebook page called Chasing Truth. Uh, Yesterday morning or Friday, uh, something like that. So you can read that. Don't want to go into too much detail there. Uh, we're here. Grace and I have been on now since, since Christmas. We've got family stuff happening. And uh, we've got a wedding coming up on the 23rd. Our daughter Sarah is getting married. We've got a meeting grandchildren, a grandson we hadn't met before uh, earlier this month. So it's all good. We're incredibly blessed people. Yes, incredibly blessed people. Yeah. I, I feel God wants us to set ourselves free today. You, you may not need it, but your neighbour might. I, I didn't say I, I, I'm, God wants to set you free. But, but there's some things that we've got to set ourselves free from. So this morning, in the name of Jesus, I'm just asking you, set yourself free. So the thought behind that for me, well, there's lots of thoughts, but the ones I'm going to share, it's, all about, it's always about what don't I say, never about what should I say. Well, they're the same question, like, what should I say, which means what aren't I going to say. Three verses in uh, Matthew 3, 13, 22, Mark, I think four verse 8, I think it's verse 8, Luke Definitely verse chapter 8, verse 14. Almost say the same thing, and it's something like this. You have a word of God in you. You've received it into your life. Receiving the word of God is the, the essence of what it is to be a Christian. And in the word we receive is all the power for that word to produce itself. Just like when, when Mary was hearing about uh, the angel, talked to her about, and you will become pregnant. And he goes, how can this be? And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And, and he will be like, put the word, the living word of God. And, and something will happen between your egg and the living word of God from God. It's a mystery, but it's, it's the same for us, but it's just different. Uh, you know, same and different. Like, we're not going to get pregnant literally, but the same way the Spirit of God speaks something into our spirit. And we begin. And what did, what did Mary say after that? It's like, 
how can this be? Because I had never been with a man. And the angel says, with God, nothing is impossible. Or rather, all things are possible with God. And, and she simply says, well, let it be to me as you have said. It, it doesn't change. So you have the word in you. Something of God has been said to you. You've read it. You've heard it. You've sung it some way. Your heart is, oh, I'm going to take hold of that. And now, everything in that word, the power to produce it is now in you. Like you don't need any additives. It just needs to be held. It includes obedience to what that word is. It just needs to be held. But, but those verses, all three of them say the same thing, that, that something happens that actually chokes the word. It says that the worries of this world or the cares of this world or the anxieties of just being alive and, and some of the desires that come from that, to have a bit more than what we've got, some of the judging that goes on about what's enough and what's not enough and what I should have and what they should have and how I should be living and how they should be living. Some of all that stuff creates an anxiety. And that anxiety, it says, chokes the word and it bears no fruit. And we end up being those Christians who look around, as that lady said in the testimony day, I thought that was for someone else, not for me. An anxiety that chokes the truth, and behind that anxiety that chokes the promise in the Word, chokes the potential in the Word, chokes what God has said, so even though He said it, even though I've received it, it never happens. And I'm the one who's choking it. You, you can get another prophecy every week from somewhere that says the same thing. But if I don't set myself free from my anxieties, my judgments over my life today and how it's working out, I choke the life out of the word. And to choke has, has the sense of, I choke my breathing. I'm limiting, I'm limiting my breath. I'm living on, on not, I'm not living on the full breath that I'm meant to have. I'm like living on life support or I don't know what it's like to, to be a person who can barely breathe except for a few moments when I've been maybe swimming underwater or something. I, I've met some people who've lived with, you know, breathing problems and, and, uh, and, and they have to limit how they can manage their life around their breath ability. I did a quick Google and it said that when, when you get low oxygen, you, you get confusion in your mind. You, you get breathlessness, but not only that, it says your decision-making gets messed up. I mean, here we are living as believers, but we're not breathing because we're anxious and we're, we're confused about what's happening and, and we're unable to make decisions that honour God. We want to, but they just don't seem to work out. And I just got to set myself free from the anxieties that are choking the life out of the Word in me. And so that's what we're after this morning. I'm free. I set myself free. It's easy to say, isn't it? It just doesn't work like that, I found. Uh, I mean, I do have to say it. <laughs> but but it's, it's more like a place I put myself than, a, than uh, something I do. 
Mm. The reverse is this. They all say the same thing. They limit our breathing. One of, one of the things God has uh, sort of encouraged me and my spirit to consider important, and it's not hard for me actually, uh, sometimes is, but not always, is keep my legs strong and my breath good. Which means maintain a certain level of fitness in my body. Because if my legs aren't strong, I might not be able to go places that God calls me to go, literally. might not be able to stand here and do what I need to do, literally. And if my breath's not good, well, I, I can't keep breathing. I think we need to keep our legs strong, our faith in Jesus, and our breathing in the Holy Spirit. Because it's not about this, I can just, you know, breathe in, breathe out. I, I've got this relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a, we're, we're walking together. There's a breathing in and a breathing out. He's the breath of God the holy breath of God that comes. But it's not about just this exercise of breathing. It's that in the breathing of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my standing in faith in Jesus, I'm hearing God. I'm hearing His voice. I'm hearing how He's speaking into my life for the very current place that I'm in. And it can come in so many ways. But if I'm choked up, I won't hear. Or, or I struggle to hear or, or I sort of hear, but don't get it. You know, one of the things I heard earlier this year with God was for Paul's journey this year was I was on this little motorbike ride I did and did a month and I did a lot of New Zealand and went from Invercargill to Cape Reinga and the East Coast and the West Coast and came to Karamea because I'd never been there before up on the West Coast of New Zealand. And, and a lot of those places, I just pause and pray, what's God doing here and asking him things. And at one point, my mind was going, so what's happening this year of us? And are you sort of leading us to some form of different ministry? And what should I be doing about it? And lots of people give you good ideas. And yeah, I should, what about, you know, sort of newsletters and, and this and that and all this? And how, how do I try and open doors and raise support? Because, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing for income in a few weeks. There's a nice supply. There's a bit of an abundance in the bank account now, but there's nothing coming in. And, and these sort of thoughts and Quietly as anything in my spot, I just hear, so you think you can do a better job than me? And I hear, because I know the Spirit's got voice, and I know that's pretty consistent with his scriptural pattern. What's he saying, Paul? Can you do a better job at opening doors and getting yourself into a ministry position? Well, maybe on these appearances I could. But do I want to? Do I want to be standing and speaking in front of a group of people like this if the Holy Spirit hasn't led me there? Because I put a good marketing plan into place and it's opened some doors and got me there. Oh, someone else, that might be how God told them to do it. I've got to hear. I've got to hear. Do, do I want to be, you know, managing to get some supporters because I managed to do a good fundraising campaign and and, and found some people who just, oh, maybe I should do that, and got some money coming in, and, but the Holy Spirit wasn't in it. And the answer to me was no. Why? Because I've got to stay breathing with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, so the lesson is I've got to unchoke my life. I have to unchoke my life. You have to unchoke your life. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, and you're just sort of sneaking in, this is the guts of it. Living free from fear. Free from judgment, free from anxiety, because of my trust in 
my heavenly Father. What we tend to do is to start taking responsibility for what is not our responsibility. For example, it is not my responsibility this morning for how you hear me. It is not my responsibility for what, what God wants to do in your life this morning as I, as I try and breathe something out of my, you know, his spirit to you happens. I'm not responsible to produce in you anything. That's between you and your Father in heaven and your walk in relationship with him. It is not my responsibility. So I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to be anxious about that. I don't have to strive for that. I don't have to stress for that. I can tell myself I'm free from that responsibility. But if God has given me this appointment, I am responsible to have diligently sought him for this appointment and brought to this moment what he's given me to bring. It's not about some you know, flippancy, but it's understanding my responsibility is, is to sow something. His responsibility is to grow something. His responsibility is to bring forth the fruit. My responsibility is to, to sow my faith into him. Yeah. To sow my faith into him. To sow my life into his life, which we've been singing about this morning. So, so to keep speaking into that, that this idea, we, we set ourselves free from what is choking us, one way by just giving up being responsible for what's not our responsibility. Because if I'm not responsible for it, why do I worry about it? If I'm not responsible for it, why would I be anxious about it? It's his responsibility. I'm gonna, I've got three passages of Scripture to read, and the first one is uh, Philippians 3, 8 to 11, so I'm going to... Uh, let's read through those now and then say a few things. So the guy's riding away and he's saying, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Just, just read it in Paul's language for this morning. I'm not responsible for anything but knowing Jesus. You see that? Everything a loss. I don't consider my response self-responsible for any of this stuff when I compare it to just knowing Jesus because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Oh, it's only the one, sorry. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. See, it's it's clear, isn't it? Well, it's clear to me. I'm responsible to know Jesus. I'm responsible to be like him in his death so I can know the power of his resurrection. I'm responsible to be righteous by faith 
but not from anything I have done. That was verse 9. It's in power of God. I've been a believer for 42 years, uh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, 13th or 14th of January, somewhere around there. Got an old Bible that's written in. And I think I've been pretty diligent in seeking to follow Jesus wholeheartedly over those 42 years. Made some big decisions that have been about trusting God and not me over and over again. But I have to know I have not added to my righteousness over those 42 years. All the righteousness I could have, would have, ever, 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 was mine and me, full and complete. The moment I believed and received it from God. Now, Now that needs to mature and grow through me, but I'm not adding to it. My responsibility is never to produce righteousness in any way, shape, or form, whatever you think that might look like. My responsibility is to know Christ and allow that righteousness that he is in me to grow through me. So what does he say there is what I want to do is to keep my focus on Jesus because if I keep my focus on Jesus, what he, who he is in me will grow. And and he puts it in his, being like him in his death, so somehow I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I want to suggest to you that the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus are essentially for us one thing. They're totally interlocked. We never separate them. There is never going to be in God's economy for us Uh, any action that looks like a crucifixion, that looks like a loss, that looks like a death, that looks like a laying down, that it looks like denying yourself and taking up your cross, that it looks like letting go of things that you thought were so important and precious, but but you let them go. There's never going to be anything that God leads us into that is like that loss of the crucifixion with the grief, with the groan, with the injustice, There'll never be any injustice that God leads us through and does not allow us to speak to because we're following Jesus. And he went through injustice without speaking to the injustice. Why? Because he's not taking responsibility to be judge. He's leaving that responsibility with his Father in heaven. And he's going through the injustice without having to defend himself, without having to declare, you know, this is all wrong. You got it all wrong. I know. And and that can all happen to us and will all happen to us. But there's never a moment where God is leading us through something that feels like, looks like to us. It's amazing, you know, someone else is going through something and you think, why is that such a big deal? But for them it's a big deal. That does not have within that sense of loss the promise of resurrection. And there can be no resurrection without a crucifixion. And so we live. The only way we're going to become mature in Christ is living right in that, in the midst of, I deny myself and take up my cross daily. I live with hope in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I want to be like him in his death. That's how somehow I will attain to the resurrection 
from the dead. Not just after I die and go to eternity. Yes, when I die and go into eternity, but not just then, today. Now, 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 a, a pathetic example, uh, but it was real for me, is, is when I was heading up to Dargaville and a friend of mine in Australia, a really old friend who I see every couple of years when I'm visiting Grace's mum, uh, says to me, do you want to go to Dargaville and look after this church for a while? He's, he had you know, leadership responsibilities in that movement of churches, uh, and, and I laughed, no, I can't see that happening. He said, I'll send you an email anyway, so he did. A few weeks later, some other things had changed, and we kept looking at ourselves and thinking about it, so we decided to go to Dargaville. We said, okay, God, it seems like the thing to do. So we said, yeah, we'll try that out, and, and it was just go up there and make sure Sunday services happen. It wasn't a paid position, there was a little bit of you know, honorarium, but it was pretty small, uh, and things like that. So we took our caravan up, and so, so we went to Dargaville. And I'm saying, why are we going to Dargaville? What's the Dargaville for us? Why are we going to Dargaville? You know, do you know that's thing? Like, any of you do that? Yeah. But I've got to hear the Holy Spirit. And he says, so, why do you need to know why? Uh... Because I'm Paul. And Paul needs to know why. And then I hear this. Do you know that I'm in leading you there? Yep. I'm confident, Holy Spirit. I'm confident, Father, that, that this is okay. You know, you led me there. Okay, is that enough? Coming like him in his death. See, my flesh wants to know why. But the Bible says we crucify our flesh daily. That's how we do it. I say, okay, God, I don't need to know why. I feel like I need to know why. My mind is screaming at me that I need to know why, but my heart is, no, I don't need to know why. I don't need to know why. Sometimes God's really good at giving us some why. Sometimes he might not. I've got a feeling that for many, someone in this room right now, you just need to stop needing to know why. Because you're needing to know why is taking something of God. You're taking responsibility for his role in the place, in, in the process. And if he hasn't chosen to give you the insight you want, then you just trust that he has it. He knows it. He's got it covered. <clears throat> if we're obedient to him, his why will work out if we never know it. You know, some of the things you, we... we I won't go too far because it takes time, but you know, <clears throat> participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining <clears throat> to the resurrection of the dead. One of the pictures the Bible gives of this is a seed going down into the ground. So you put a seed in the ground, and, uh, and it says, unless the seed dies, it remains a single seed. It's talking about Jesus. And, but Jesus said, every single one of us who follow him go through this process. We follow him through a cross so that we can follow him in resurrection. Miss the cross, miss the resurrection. You can hang on to the promises of God all you want in your head. But if there's no following Jesus in the cross, well, there can't be a resurrection. If the seed hasn't gone down in the ground and died, it can't produce anything new. It can't become more. 
The promise God has put in it is locked up in it and never released. So if we don't follow Jesus on the cross, the promise locked up in our lives stays locked up in our lives. And, and every one of us, it'll look a little bit different to that deny myself daily and take up my cross and follow Jesus. But always there's the hope that God has something coming through. Because the Bible also says that when you put a seed down in the ground and, you, and it dies and it begins to grow, you don't know what's going to come out of the ground. You don't know what the new is going to look like. You may have some context for it because you know what God is like, but you don't know the specifics. And only God knows how it's going to grow. So we get too concerned and anxious and worried about what it's going to look like. And we choke the potential for it to even grow. So we just want to release ourselves from worrying about what's not our responsibility and putting our heart through just investing our life in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at one more phrase of Scripture and... Uh, we're going to two more, actually, but uh, maybe just read one of them. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. So that's what I've been saying. So I only read the Bible and told you. Didn't make it up. <laughs> I'm just trying to obey it. I'm not trying to do something of living free from anxiety because it feels like a good thing. I'm just trying to obey what God has said. Because if I'm obeying what God has said, I expect other things God has said to be happening in my life as well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what should be happening in us daily. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in our salvation. Release those anxieties that are threatening to start choking our rejoicing. Hopefully you know what I mean. I mean, I know what I mean. I feel it quite often. God, what's going to happen next week? I don't know. I want to be anxious, but I have to release that. I have to say, I am dead to anxiety. Not to the feeling of it, but to the allowing it to have a place in my life. And I'm alive to rejoicing in my salvation. Why? Because I want the peace of God guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I think there's something in that that, is, that illustrates the process of being like Jesus in his death so that we can be like him in his resurrection. We are not called to replicate Jesus on earth. You are not called to somehow become like Jesus. What we're called to do is to be in Christ and to follow Christ and allow him to grow something in our lives that, well, if we're in Christ, it's going to look like Jesus. But, but don't think it's up to you to try and be a little model Jesus. It is not wrong responsibility. It will throttle the very potential within you to grow to be more like Jesus. You know, that counterintuitive, isn't it? Sort of, you know, if you think about it too much, you might end up going around in circles rather than just trusting God. Um, but this area, rejoice in God. Rejoice. Even, even though, you know, one of the things God's been dealing with me this year is that little agitation. I don't know if you know what I mean. That sometimes you just get this little in agitation when you don't 
like a little inner discomfort, like a little inner uncertainty. You just got, you're just agitated, and 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 it'll have something to do with impatience. It'll have something to do with how, in that moment, you're doing this, rejoicing in God, and releasing your cares and anxieties to Him. You know, God knew they would be there. That's why He said. Don't do it, because he knew you would be tempted to do it. He knew you would be tempted to do it. The enemy will tempt us to be anxious. He will tempt you to worry about that which you have no responsibility for. And so he says, don't do it. Don't go there. Just stay in the place of rejoicing. One of the verses God spoke, started speaking to me about a few months ago, I just started standing out. I don't know if this works for you, but this is how it works for me. As I'm reading the Bible, verses keep standing out. Or after I've read it, it just keeps popping into my mind. And the Holy Spirit is in that for me. And, and one was in Psalm 23. I've shared this with a few people. Verse 2, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I have said that so many times this year. Because sometimes all I can see in front of me is lack. And uh, <clears throat> he makes me lie down beside in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He makes me lie down. He makes us lie down. How many people would just be healthier if they allowed God to lie them down and stop trying to be responsible for everybody and everything and to look like they're really, really busy and really diligent and really, 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 really busy. He makes me lie. I decided years ago, and some of you would know me would say this, I decided years ago to work at not being busy. That means I might have a, I might have a to-do list that says I should be frantic, but I, you, I would work at not being busy. That I can diligently work through things without my spirit becoming busy, and that I, I didn't want to give off the sound of busy, 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 busy. So that, you know, so you, you, you just, you've got a poise about you. You've got to look like you've got a rest in Christ going on in your life, even if it isn't. And, and, uh, and yet, here's God saying, I make you lie down. I, I sat there one day and I was saying, God, how come this is so hard for me? I realized I was more comfortable in things like the psalm goes on to say, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and then it talks about here, and if I'm, I'm in the midst of my enemies, you know, I'm more, I realize I'm more comfortable in the valley of the shadow of death because I know what to do there. I know how to pray and I know how to worship and I know how to dig my faith and I know how to. You know, I know, I know how to take a hold of the world and the stuff. I've learned what to do in that valley. And, and the princes and enemies, oh, you can stick me there, God, any day. I'm familiar with that place. And then I realized I wasn't familiar with the lie down. And I'm saying, God, how, how do I learn this? And you get that, well, you can't learn it, Paul. I've got to grow it in you. You cannot learn how to rejoice. And you can't learn how to release your anger anxieties to God and you can't learn how to have the peace of God God in your heart and mind we can learn about it but he's got to grow it in us and he grows in us as we continue to sow into him he'll grow it in us as we continue to sow it in him so we release ourselves from what is choking us by taking responsibility to sow our life into Jesus and to stop taking responsibility to learn how to be good Christians. 
Because it's not just anxiety about the things of this world, it's anxiety about being a Christian that starts to throttle us because the enemy tempts us to be anxious about whether we are a good enough Christian, whether we're following God enough, whether we're serving enough, whether we're doing the right things, whether we've got this part learnt. And just stop it. It's not your responsibility. God can grow it even if you don't know it. But he can't grow it if we're not planted. And we're not in that place of, Jesus, I'm here. I'm the seed in the ground. I'm like Jesus at the cross. I'm not going to take my life into my own hands, even though I could. I'm going to trust it to the Father. Trust it to the Father. I've got, I've got one more verse to read, and I won't read it, but the end of Philippians. In chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13, he says this. I've learnt to be content or since he's saying, I've learned to be strong in whatever circumstances I face. Whether they are really lean or really rich, really abundant or not, I've learned to be strong. I've learned to be content. Because we don't know what's coming. But we only learn that or get that when we're walking the process of trusting God. One of the last things I'll say is uh, out of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, you know that verse? Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Anyway, chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, because I'm way over time that I was given here. Uh, And it starts off saying this, something like this. I felt like my heart was decaying in me. I, I felt that this year. I felt like, who am I, God? What is left? And I came to a point in, back in September when I realised God said, Paul, you're not a preacher anymore. You're not a minister. You're not a leader. You're just Paul. I remember saying, okay, God, here's the deal. If I never stand in front of someone and speak again, if I never have a leadership role in the church, if I end up just living out of my existence, you know, in some job, just keeping going to the end, my faith and my son to you doesn't change. And my praise to you doesn't change. And my willingness to be there for the next person you bring across my life, then in some way you have something before, doesn't change. Because it cannot be measured from the outside in. I've got to live this life from the inside out. So you're there, you know, you're like, you feel like your spirit's decaying within you. And then it goes on and it says, you know, and there's nothing in the store and uh, there's enemies all around. It's like a really tragic place. And he says, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. And on, on December 22nd, I read that in my devotional. That's not far away, you know, long ago. And, and, I, and I wrote it down, and then I just wrote in there, and that's what I'm doing. God, I'm just standing here rejoicing in the Lord. Now, the point about that was, December 22nd, we started our journey down here. 23rd, we had a ferry booking. That was paid for. And at that point, we had a few hundred dollars in the bank. And at that point, we had no idea in our minds of where any income was coming from. And we're down to spend a month with our family. We've got a wedding coming up. We've got a few hundred dollars in the bank. We know we've got enough to get petrol to get Nelson. We, we wouldn't have had much left once we got here. You know what I mean? I'm able to sit there and I have to be able to rejoice in God. I remember sitting there thinking, I think I'm getting this lying down thing. It's been about three months, God. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean? You, you start working. Why? Because every time I would think of that verse, I'd say, Paul... I'm going to let God make me lie down. I die to having to have control. I die to having to be in charge. 
I die to having to look busy. I die to what anyone thinks of me. They might think I'm lazy because I'm lying down. But I am going to be alive to what you're saying. And he says, I make you lie down and I can rejoice in him. Now, now the story didn't finish there. The testimony there is, Monday on the car ride down, somewhere in the middle of the North Island, Grace says to me, she's looking online at our bank account, says, oh, oh, oh. And, uh, and, and there was a, several thousand dollars in our bank by the time we got to Nelson that all unexpected. All unexpected. All surprising and sometimes and often from surprising places. And we think, oh good, we're, we're supplied for the next few weeks. I see you, that's going to run out. And he says in the end of those verses in Philippians, he says, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. I'm strong in my faith because I've got the breath of the Holy Spirit in me. Because I have the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ marking me, covering me, telling me who I am. What's happening in my life does not shape that. Whether the circumstances are going in my favour, this is who I am. If the circumstances don't seem to be going in my favour, this is who I am. I don't know if you've lived there. Right now, Grace and I, you know, we don't know what's up in a few weeks. We still haven't got a clear appointment from God within the world. I don't know. I know a lot of things God's doing in me, but I don't know. Where, where, where I'm meant to be planted, where I'm meant to be placed, where I'm meant to fit in. It's taken a while, but you know, you get, okay, God, you, you've shown you'll provide. My income last year was pretty much the same as it was the year before. It's just how it came was vastly different and more erratic. <clears throat> what do you do when someone just sends you a message? Um, someone who you, you know, know as a vague acquaintance, you've never done any ministry with, sends you a message. We just believe in you. We want to put some money in your account. And thousands show up. And your time, you're thinking, oh, what's happening? You know, it's like, it's just, I can abound, then I'm lean. What I do is rejoice in God. Rejoice. Let's stand and I'm going to pray and, uh, and these guys are going to finish up. I'm just wanting and hoping that someone here will just decide to get free. What do I mean? You may have got it, but if you haven't, I'm going to take everything that I'm anxious about right now, everything that, pl- that nags at me, every worry, every concern, and I'm going to say, God, I'm dead to these things. I'm dead to these things. I'm going to be like Jesus in His death. I'm not walking out my Christian life based on how the circumstances work or don't work. I'm walking it out from faith in the living God. And I know I'll go through circumstances that are like a cross and I'll know I'll go through circumstances that are like a resurrection. I know I'll go through times that just seem so difficult I don't know if I'll survive. Whatever way it comes to me, and I know I'll go through times that just seem so rich and abundant that I'm just overflowing with it. But I'm just doing one thing. I just want to know Christ. And I want to rejoice in my salvation. And I want to breathe deeply with the Holy Spirit and continue to hear His voice. 
So, man, if that's you this morning, just, just pray that. Father God, I release all my cares and anxieties to you. I count myself dead to everything that's choking my faith in you, that's choking your word in me. And I want to breathe deeply of you, Holy Spirit. And I want to hear your voice speaking into my heart and mind clearer than I've ever heard it before. And I commit to obey and to continue to rejoice and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.